Good morning, everybody. So as we already know, this morning we're speaking on Lazarus. I thought John did a fantastic job of, of telling the story. I feel like I want to get somebody up to um, wrap them in toilet paper as well. Um, so we're looking at John 11. Um, so in... Um, so just setting up the scene for John 11, so just before what's been happening, um, there's a lot of tensions rising around the religious leaders and their relationship with Jesus. Um, they are not happy with what he's doing, basically. He is um, going against some of their, their man-made religious rules. He's socialising with all the wrong people. The religious leaders see themselves as righteous people and righteous people socialise with only righteous people. And yet we have this rabbi who's going around socialising with the prostitutes and the tax, tax collectors and all, and all this. So there's a lot of tensions and, the, and, the, and it's building and it's growing and it's growing. And then just before John 11... On the Sabbath, Jesus goes and spits into some mud and makes a muddy, spitty solution and puts it on someone's eyes and heals them. And so then this really winds up the religious leaders because on the Sabbath, you're not meant to do anything. You're meant to rest. And yet here, who's this guy who's walking along thinking he can heal on the Sabbath? I mean, that is just rude. Um, and, and then he goes on to say, to say that he's the son of God. So then he's blaspheming on top of everything that's going on. He's blaspheming or they think he's blaspheming. And so they go to stone him. They've got their stones in their hands ready to stone him and they try to arrest him. And it just says that Jesus and his disciples escape. They get away. So that's where we are at the beginning of, of uh, John 11. So let's read John 11, 4 to 16 all together. If you've got your Bibles, don't worry if you're not, it's on the screen. John eleven four, okay. So um, so then so at the beginning of this, Jesus has got a message from Mary and Martha to say that their brother Lazarus is sick, and Jesus knows Mary and Martha and Lazarus well. When he heard this, Jesus said, "This sickness will not end in death. No, it's for the God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it." Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then Jesus said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you and yet you were going back there. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble for he seeks this world's light. It is when he walks by the night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. But Jesus had been speaking of his death, but the disciples thought that he meant natural sleep. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I'm not there. I was not there so that you, you may believe let us go to him. So Jesus has received word that his friend Lazarus is not just sick, but he's on his deathbed. And, um, and, and his friends, Mary and Martha, have asked him, Jesus, Jesus, he's sick. They're asking him to come to do something, either to heal him from afar or to come and heal him. Um, but what the one thing that really, really stood out to me in this verse is that Jesus just paused in the midst of a massive crisis that is going on with Mary and Martha, their brother is dying, their whole world is probably crumbling down, Jesus just pauses. And I don't know about you, if it was an emergency for me, if there's any emergency at all, if somebody comes and is like, so-and-so's just been hit by a car, I'm not going to pause, I'll run straight there. Like we act straight away, as soon as there's an emergency, we act straight away, we respond 
So I was thinking about emergencies and I'm a midwife and in my workplace on delivery suite we often have emergencies, they happen, they, well they ha not that often but, we, but they do happen regularly and so I'm quite, I'm quite comfortable in an emergency and in emergencies um, two, two things can happen. So something's happening in a, in a room and, and the emergency bell's pulled and the whole team goes running in and once you get there, we've all done this loads and loads of times before, everybody knows what they're doing, everybody's got a job, somebody's doing their observations, somebody's putting IV lines in, somebody's doing this, somebody, everyone's doing it, we're all just doing it, we're all just busy, we're all just going. And often it can seem really, really chaotic from the outside. But there's another way of managing an emergency and this way is far better. One person in that room takes the lead. One person's in charge and one person is saying, you do this, you do that, you tell me when you've done that, you tell me when you've got them observations. How's it going there? How's it going here? Brilliant. Okay, the results of that are that, so therefore you do that. There's one person holding the reins and in that situation, an emergency then is very, very calm. It's very, very still. Everybody's quiet because everybody's listening and, and I feel like that's like this situation often in an emergency we can be like the first scenario we're busy we're acting we're working but in this situation Jesus is allowing God to take the lead he's allowing God to be that person in charge and he's just stood and he's just listening and he's listening on the commands because so often when we're acting and we're busy and we're doing we're not taking a breath to say hang on a second God this is what I see and this is what I'm doing but God what do you see and what do you actually want me to do and that's what I love about Jesus' pause in this. In Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, it tells us that, Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, where have I? Um, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And what I really love about this is lean not on your own understanding. If I was Mary and Martha in that situation, I'd be thinking, my brother is dying. That's my own understanding. But actually, God had a completely different plan for this situation. So let's not lean on what's going on in our heads, what we can physically see in our lives. But let's actually just take a step back and say, God, this is what I say. But you do what you, 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 do what you want because you know best. Because so often in, in, like in our prayer lives, or, or in my prayer lives, I'm assuming, <laughs> by saying in your prayer lives, in my prayer life, I'm like, God, I've got this going on, I've got that going on, I need you to step in, I need you to do this, I need you to do that. And instead saying, God, uh, this is what I see, is what going on, what's going on. But actually, I know you can see far more, so you do your will, even if that's not what I think is best. You do what you know is best because you know far more than me. Your understanding is far greater than my understanding. And I just, what it might have looked like to Mary and Martha, they sent a message to Jesus. And as far as we know, Jesus didn't send a message back. He didn't turn up and Lazarus was getting sicker and sicker and died. So from their understanding, Jesus was denying their request. From what they could see in front of them, Jesus was denying it. And so often we can actually think that Jesus is denying what we're asking, but actually Jesus is asserting God's timing to that situation. So I just want to encourage you in that. Are you seeing your situation for what it is in earthly things or are you saying, God, your timing? I want your timing. I want your will. And I was thinking about that song that we sing and I sing it so easily, like whenever we sing it, your will, it will be my joy to say, your will your way 
But in day to day, how easy is it to be our joy to say, your will, God, your way, not me, not, not my way, your will. So that's my first kind of end point. Are you letting go of things and saying, God, your, your will, your way, your timing is the best? Okay, then Jesus goes, so then after two days, Jesus says, right, it's time now. And he sets off with his disciples and they go. And, um, and Martha comes to meet him on the outskirts of the village and says to him, he's already dead. And not only is he already dead, he's been in the grave for four days. That's, that is pretty dead. Like, that's like not just last breath, that's quite long gone. Um, so let's join in with the story. John eleven twenty three to 37. Um, yeah. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who has come into the world. And after she'd said this, she went back to call and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she quickly got up and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the people the place where Jesus was and saw him she fell at his feet Lord if you'd have been here my brother would not have died when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come alongside her also weeping he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled and where have you laid him he asked come and see Lord they replied Jesus wept and then the Jews said see how much he loved him but then some of them said could he who not opened the eyes of the blind man kept this man from dying so in this translation, it, was say, uh, it says Jesus, uh, he was troubled in spirit. In other translations, it says Jesus was angry or Jesus, is, Jesus had a, Jesus' spirit was angry. And I was just thinking about this, like anger and being so upset that you're crying. Really, really deep emotions and really, really unpleasant emotions to feel. And I was thinking... If Jesus knew what was going to happen, why was he so angry? And why did he allow himself to get so upset to the point where he was weeping? And so I was just like really, really thinking about this. I was like, was he, was he really cross and upset that they didn't believe in him? Was he really upset that his friend had died? Was he upset that the power that death has over mankind, the power it has over us, was he just upset looking around and seeing all their hurt and pain? Or was he upset because he knew in the next coming weeks what he would have to go through in order to conquer death or what he would have to face? Now, I, I don't know. Any, these are all just my thinking. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know. All I know is it says that Jesus, had his emotions moved him deeply. I, sorry, I just spat. <laughs> all I know is that Jesus, um, <laughs> Jesus, his emotions moved him so deeply that he outwardly expressed them so that everybody around them could see. Um, 
And what I like is that emotions unite us as people. That's how we connect with each other, with our emotions. When, when there's somebody who really, really struggles to express their emotions for whatever reason, that person is really, really difficult to connect with on a one-on-one level because we use our emotions to connect us. And our emotions are also really, really cultural. How we've learned to communicate our emotions is really cultural. And I was thinking about this. Last year, I was at a funeral and, and I was doing a reading at this funeral. And so the whole service, I was like... Don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. You're doing great, Kat, you're doing great. And I was like praising myself for not crying and like giving myself, yeah, yeah, you're really strong. Give yourself a pat on the back, well done, well done. And then as I was walking out of the service, I had like a bit of an out-of-body experience where I heard this yelp and then this really loud crying. And I remember thinking, who on earth is that? And then it took me about three seconds to realise that sound was coming from my mouth and it was me. <laughs> and it was just because I was unnaturally holding back all my emotions that it just, I just couldn't. And it's really funny how in England we're really, really, or, or, or as British people, we're really reserved. We're really hold ourselves back, like put on a stiff lip. No, don't show emotions. Don't cry. That's weakness. We're very much like that. Um, whereas like, for example, in Uganda, I lived in Uganda a little bit when I was a teenager. And in Uganda... They are so expressive with their emotions. When somebody dies, you can hear the crying from the next village. It is so loud. It's vocal. People lie on the floor and physically bang their fists. And it's, and it's a bit uncomfortable to watch because you're just like, oh, oh, we wouldn't do that in England. Oh. Um, but I was just thinking, we need to think about how much of our, the way that we express our emotions are cultural and are learned and are what we think is the right way to do it. I was thinking... It, doesn't t- it just says Jesus wept. It doesn't even tell us how long he cried for. In my head, I think, he went, he was a bit sad. He, oh, maybe he got down on his knees and a little bit. <laughs> and then got up and was like, right, Lazarus, get out of that grave. But in reality, probably, I mean, the Jew, they'd been crying. He'd been dead for four days and they were still mourning. So in reality, probably Jesus was there for maybe a few hours, maybe an afternoon. Maybe the whole of the day he wept with them, we don't know. And I just think that's really interesting. We need to look at our, um, our emotions and what, uh, like the way that we resist them, maybe. So what, looking at yourself, do you feel like your heart is quite guarded? Do you feel like our, our culture or our expectations hold you back from expressing your emotions? Do you feel like maybe you've toughened up your heart? Maybe you're somebody who just doesn't cry? Jesus cried, crying is good, crying is okay, we need to cry. And so I was just um, reading in Ezekiel 36, verse 26, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I think so often it's so easy to get a heart of stone, to get a heart of stone where we don't let anything touch us I, I, I'm, I'm so strong I, nothing will get through this nothing will get through this whereas actually I want God to break my heart for what breaks his heart and that's what I want uh, a prayer for us today to get before God and say God what moves you to tears let that same thing move me to tears so that's my second point are your hearts soft are your hearts open to God and saying to God God whatever makes you sad cross angry passionate let that be the same for me. And finally, we're joining the story at John eleven thirty-eight to 44. 38, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, Martha said, the, si- the sister of the dead man, 
<laughs> by this time, there'll be a bad odor. He has been there for four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I, I know that you always hear me, but I do this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he said this, Jesus shouted in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out with his hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off his grave clothes and let him go. What I love about that bit is his words are so simple. Lazarus, come out. Like, what are you doing? Get out. And I just love it. They're so simple. Three words. But words have so much power. And we know that. Read Genesis. God speaks and the whole universe is created. Uh, Ezekiel, the valley of the dry bones. They speak and flesh is put onto these dry bones and these dry bones rise up into an army. Words have power. They might seem like massive, massive stories and a bit like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But if you just think about yourself... You, everybody here will remember a time when somebody said something negative to them and you've never forgotten them words. Them words cut you deep. Or somebody said something really, really positive to you and you've never forgotten because that set you into the next, that like freed you or set you to going into the next step. Words have such power. Our words have such power. And in John 14, Jesus says that we will do what he has done and then we will do greater isn't that amazing? He said to Lazarus, come out. We're going to do that and greater. I don't know what's greater than raising somebody from the dead. That feels like, that feels like the absolute, I don't know. But we'll, we'll see. We can do that and more. Um, and so I, we were just talking before the service. I was saying, I don't know anybody who's just died. I, don't, I have never raised anybody from the dead. We don't often, they're already, yeah, we were saying joke and go and dig up a grave. Like that would be a bit weird. Um, but... Not that he's not going to do that. We're not encouraging that. That would be really weird. But we're just saying we might not have a dead person that we're going to pray over. But where is their death? Where is their decay? Where is their lifelessness in your life? Where are the areas that are not bearing fruit? Where are the areas where you feel that it's dead and it's just dry bones? Where do you feel like Lazarus in a tomb where there's literally no way out? Where do you feel trapped? Where do you feel bound up? Lazarus was bound up like a mummy. Where do you feel bound and trapped and maybe in a cycle of behaviour or in a cycle of a pattern or whatever? Where do you feel that you are completely blinded by like a head cloth? Where are those areas in your life? Because those areas don't just need to be a part of you those areas you need to speak clearly rise up get out take off those grave cloths they are not for you you do not need to walk carry on in life and accept that God tells us to speak commands over those areas in our life and so I just want to there's so much power in his name and I heard a quote um, and I couldn't find out exactly who was the person who originally said it but it said I am immortal until until my work in God is done I am immortal until God says so. And that's the same with Lazarus. Lazarus did eventually go on to die again. He's not still alive now. He did die again. But he's, he, God said he wasn't, done, he wasn't finished at that point. And that's the same for us. We are not finished until God says we are finished. So 
what I really want to do is just kind of, as we move into a time of, a time of worship, I just want you just to think about what areas in your life are you really battling with and you are really struggling to say to God, you know what, your will, your way in this situation. I want to wait on your timing. Any of you feel like you've got walls up around your heart? Do you feel like your heart's hard? Do you feel like it's difficult to, um, to cry, feel emotion, to, to feel God's presence? Then we want to pray that those walls come down, that you are able to allow God to move in your heart. And also those areas where you feel like there's death, where you feel like there's no fruit, when you feel like it's tiring, we want to pray life into those into those areas. So what I want to do is, if, if Dan's happy to come back up with the band and just start um, playing, and, um, and I just really, we just want to pray for anybody who wants prayer for any of those areas. I'm just also going to want to speak out a declaration that I read um, at the Women's Day yesterday, um, if that's okay. So if everybody, do whatever you feel comfortable. If you want to stand up, sit down, kneel, if you want to move to the front, whatever you feel comfortable, feel free. Um, to do that but I also just kind of felt like God is saying to to tell to tell you individually to to rise up like I really oh we're gonna get emotional saying this but I really want to say it to you young people Max Smith rise up Poppy Jupp rise up Molly rise up Abby rise up Beth God has got so many plans for you rise up and that is I can't go around and say to every single person but I want to say you guys rise up God has got so much in store rise up and that is for every single person here as well individually I want to call your names out and say rise up rise up rise up God has got so much for you yeah we we believe it we believe his names his words have got power okay I'm just going to read read what I wrote for yesterday you are fearfully and wonderfully made he knit you together in your mother's womb he knows your exact journey the steps the thoughts the range of feelings the ups the downs the highs the lows the joy and the pain even if you didn't know or didn't feel him he was there he knows be confident because God has chosen you. Any mess he can transform, no matter where you've been or what you've done, you are not dirty. The power of the cross has made you clean. Let any words spoken over you, binding you, melt away in the light of the Son, Jesus. In him you are whole you are complete you are not lacking in any way you my friend are the are the child of the king you wear the crown of authority on your head and the ring of sovereignty on your finger and the robe of righteousness on your shoulder he gives you his authority his sovereignty and his righteousness you are fiercely beautiful and filled with gentle strength you are free. Your mind, your body, your soul, believe it, you are free. Lift off that guilt. Put aside that doubt. Dust off all your worries. He will restore your strength. Don't do it alone. Lean into him. Free fall into his promises. Our God is faithful. He is not giving up on you. 
Do not give up on your partner, your children, your family, your friends, or yourself. Do not give up now. Do not retreat in fear. Fear has no place here. Push on. Push on. Run. Keep your eyes on the light and run. We are cheering you on. You can do this. You will do this. You are doing this. You are a son and daughter of God made in His image. You are favoured, anointed and victorious. The Lion of God roars within you. Fight this battle with confidence and integrity. Rise up men, rise up women, rise up you warriors, rise up you role models, rise up you mothers, you fathers, rise up freedom fighters. There is work to be done that you and only you my friend can do. You were born for such a time as this. He has commissioned you, now go.